Hey, it's Big Joe for your trusted local independent American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning dealer, Absolute Comfort. Chris Wedekin is the owner, and he tells us why many homeowners are giving up their air conditioners for a high-efficiency heat pump. By removing your air conditioner and replacing it with a heat pump, you are not only saving by getting a higher-efficiency air conditioner, the heat pump works in reverse and saves you money in the wintertime as well. See if a heat pump is the right move for you by going to absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted local independent American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning dealer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock All right, Hammer, we already know about the original Georgia indictments, Fulton County against Trump and his 18 allies for challenging the results of the 2020 election, right? Rudy Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, probably the big names uh, other than Trump. Well, Mark Meadows, I think, is up there, his former chief of staff, right? It's Trump and 18 other people. But what we are just now finding out is that uh, the grand jury wanted to was recommending charges against additional people within the Trump circle, including Senator Graham Nasty, Lindsey Graham. Graham Nasty. Now he's came out and said, "Listen, I did everything right. I was just trying to help. Didn't do anything wrong." Also could have been indicted were the folks from Georgia, Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue, who were the senators. That had just been voted out, basically. So, Kelly Loeffler, for one, she's lucky she wasn't hit with an insider trading charge. If we're going to go after the Pelosi's here for insider trading, which they absolutely did and got away with, we have to keep it fair. That's why I think people love this radio station. We are honest. And Kelly Loeffler, the former Republican senator from Georgia, she got away with insider trading, and then she got voted out for a couple lunatics. So these are the folks that also could have been facing charges. But there wasn't enough votes in the grand jury to get those there. But that's interesting. I mean, those are pretty big. I mean, Senator Lindsey Graham, again, for charges of... Whatever, challenging the election, trying the Rico to help stuff. the Rico stuff. It's it's it's. It just seems like they're going everybody and anybody who was ever associated with Trump, whoever said anything nice, whoever made a phone call, whoever you know uh, made a text. Mark Meadows was texting over. Just just ridiculous. Really, this grand jury, these people want to go after anybody that's ever even voted for Trump. I feel like this is a message to Trump voters in general as a whole we're coming after you too right you we're not going to let your guy run this is at bet this is at worst election interference if you've worst. ever thought where did all those mail-in ballots come from then this grand jury wants to hit you with an indictment i mean it's just it's, the way that it is georgia more than any other place where trump is facing legal stuff georgia they want to put their name on the map right they wanted the mugshot they wanted all the pomp and circumstance that goes along with it so looks like graham nasty among others is going to escape on this but but it just goes to show you the scale and the scope of uh, going after anybody and everybody that was ever associated with Trump, who had questions about the election, who made phone calls down to Georgia, who texted people, <laughs> and again, big picture, Trump voters in general. Okay, they, so fine. A message. If that's what they want to do, would they do the same thing with all the dots being connected to Joe Biden and the bribery and the money laundering and all that kind of stuff? Would they do the same thing to Joe Biden if they were brought that case? 
I think we all know the answer to that. Uh, let me ask you a question. Nige, do you buy it? Do you buy that the House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer says that he believes they have the votes for an impeachment inquiry. Uh, I do believe that we have the votes for impeachment inquiry. I think that uh, with the revelation of all these emails you know, that uh, Joe Biden was communicating with Hunter Biden about his business, about all of the corruption that he was involved in, I think that was the straw that broke the, the camel's back with a few of the Republicans that were a little nervous about going the route of impeachment inquiry. They realized that we need this tool uh, to be able to win in court, because that's where we're headed. Uh, we've just about picked all the low-hanging fruit. Uh, now we've, we've uh, I guess, surprised the Biden legal team by the route we went. I think they thought we would start on day one uh, in subpoena Hunter Biden. If we had done that, it would have been locked up in court. And any request we had, they would have said there's pending litigation, and they would have they'd run the clock out. But right. we got the shell companies. We got the bank records of the shell companies. So we built a case that a win in court. And uh, with respect to the emails, I didn't think there would ever be an email, uh, a government email between Joe Biden and Hunter Biden talking about his business or talking about Ukraine. Uh, what I never dreamed of is they, they would have never used pseudonyms. And uh, what <laughs> yeah. we're finding is there's probably thousands of emails. So uh, this is just more evidence of wrongdoing by Joe Biden. What was what was one of the pseudonyms or what was, it, was it like Robert J. Peters or something <laughs> like that? But yeah, they got the emails, the correspondence between Joe biden and hunter they have uh yeah they it seems like they're connecting with the dots so you're asking me if i buy it if they have enough votes to do just an inquiry just an just a, an investigation to see if there's a possible impeachment right no don't think i buy it i, I want to know who these these squishy coward republicans are that don't want to go through with it there's more than one yeah there's a handful right. of them I don't know and i'm with you i'm 100 you know me i'm a betting guy the Republicans are great at talking a good game, explaining what they have, showing you how they're going to connect the dots. But you know what they never do? Act on it. And that's right. been the way for a long time. Not just something that's happened you know, recently. This has been a habitual problem for the Republican Party. They've been spineless jellyfish, while the Democrats, they play for blood, man. They go after it. It's blood sport to these people. You got to fight fire with fire sometimes. Biden used email addresses. I got it wrong. Robert L. Peters. Robert L. Was, Peters. Was one of the uh, L stood for a long. You know that it did. <laughs> There's no way that L did not stand for long. Bob Long Peters. I mean, they have they have the emails. They have the correspondence. They have they have you know five thousand email messages and twenty five electronic files, pages and pages of communication between Hunter and Joe Biden. They have the shell companies. They have the bank records. I say, what are you waiting on? Let's get on with it. Go do it. But like you said, you've got some scared, poopless you know <laughs> Republicans that uh, that don't want to go through with it for for whatever reason. Interesting moment in a Ron DeSantis press conference yesterday. So DeSantis was speaking at the podium and some radical left wing anti-gun activists tried to blame the Jacksonville shooting on Ron DeSantis's policies, specifically constitutional carry. The activists so said that DeSantis allowed this to happen with his policy Here's how the governor of Florida and presidential candidate responded. 
So first of all, uh, I did not allow anything with that. Well, listen, excuse me. I'm not going to let you accuse me of committing criminal activity. I am not going to take that. I am not going to take that. So you, you should, you want to have a civil conversation, that's one thing. Try to say that I'm letting, that guy was Baker acted. He should have been, he should have been ruled ineligible, but they didn't involuntarily commit him, and so they weren't. No, no, I don't. No, no. There is the truth. There is something about the truth. It's not everyone doesn't have their own truth. No. You don't get to come here and, and, and blame me for some madman. That is not appropriate. And I'm not going to accept it. Kind of got a little chippy right there at the DeSantis press yeah, you conference. you have to with those people. That's the only way you can respond to those lunatics is to fight fire with fire. Then it wasn't over. The activists said that DeSantis was against police and for crime because he allowed constitutional carry. Oh, that is nonsense. That is such nonsense. We've done more. We've done more to support law enforcement in this state than anybody in throughout the United States. Our crime rate in Florida is at a 50-year low. Uh, we have enacted... We have enacted policies so that people have a chance to live in safety. We have attracted people to come to this state in large part because we've had a commitment uh, to public safety. So the notion that somehow we're not uh, supportive of safety is absurd. And we've put our money where our mouth is. We've put uh, 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 support behind policies to hold people accountable uh, who hurt other people. Uh, you haven't seen us releasing people from prison when they hurt. When you do the crime, you do the time. Hammer, by the way, just let me remind you what the Jacksonville sheriff said after that incident. Quote, Sheriff T.K. Waters, the story is always about guns. People are bad. This guy's a bad guy. If I could take my gun off right now and I lay it on the counter, nothing will happen. It'll just sit there. But as soon as a wicked person grabs a hold of that handgun and starts shooting people with it, there's a problem. The problem is the individual. That's not coming from DeSantis. That's coming from the African-American sheriff of uh, Jacksonville. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. So can we skip to the good part? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Hammer's here. WIBC Traffic Beast. Matt Bear joining us live in studio. What's up, fellas? Man, he's got uh, two vapes. He's got his iPhone. He is ready to rock. The uh, Colts this weekend kicking off 1 o'clock. Lucas Oil, Jacksonville. Going to be any traffic issues at uh, the, uh, the the the... 
attendees are going to be experiencing? Yeah, there's going to be a really bad thing happening in Lawrence over the weekend, and it starts tonight at 9 o'clock, and it doesn't end until the 25th. And this really concerns me because when my dad and I used to live the games, we used to have to go up North Meridian, then US 31 before it was redone, and it was awful just getting stuck in traffic after a Colts loss. I remember a Chargers one. But um, if you're planning on going home to Fishers or Marion, do not use westbound 72, northbound 465, because the lanes are going to be down to one lane from 70 up to East 56th Street and then to Fall Creek. And that promises to be a parking lot. You're talking about five lanes down to one. So if you're going to Fishers, use the BIMF, get on Bimford Boulevard, Fall Creek, and take that to 69 instead of uh, using 70. Well, the North Split just reopened, so people might be tempted out of downtown to make that run through the North Split, that 70 to 465 run. I'd probably do it. Well, not now because there's no interstate on the east side. You know what I always thought was just a crazy intersection and with Colts games it's just insane when you're leaving downtown and you're getting on like 70 west you merge onto the highway but at the same time you got crazy bastards that are trying to get off and go downtown so you're playing some crisscross there there's like four ramps in one spot yeah yeah (laughs) everybody's trying to do (laughs) the same thing and you know and we're giving each other the thumbs down honking the horn doing the whole thing and it's it's especially tough because you're impatient and you're either celebrating in a win or maybe crying over a loss and you just have to be patient with that whole thing. I feel like I say that every time. You just got to be patient on your way out of downtown hitting those ramps. So two reasons to come downtown on Sunday for the Colts game, obviously. The big tailgate that's happening on Georgia Street, uh, WIBC and all of our sister stations, we're a part of that. I think my son is working it with the promotions team. So come by and heckle him and, you know, make him feel (laughs) uncomfortable. And then I just got this text and Matt, this is up your uh, alley here here i guess at halftime of the colts game they're doing a 40 years of colts cheerleaders reunion featuring our pal mindy winkler oh hell yeah who is a former colts cheerleader too good on her um she is on hank in the nights right yeah okay on hank at night she's filled in on this radio program before then mindy would not mind me saying that uh, 40 year anniversary is probably going to hit somewhere in my wheelhouse so i I think that's (laughs) i'm not doing the math because i can't but i think that's okay for me how how have you I mean, I think you're not generally known on this radio station, but you're a very you're a diehard Colts fan. Yeah. You 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 look forward to Sundays. Yeah, you can't and, um, wait. How do you feel about the game this Sunday and maybe the overall season? What's the over under uh, in total wins? Hammer six and a half or something. Six like and, that? A, six half. and a half. Yeah. How do you feel in there, big guy? Um, it's just amazing how this team sucks me in back every single year. Yes. I mean, it's I, I, I'm thinking that we win by one on Sunday that we beat the division baddie at home. Okay. And, and, All um, right. I'd like to see. A.R. Anthony Richardson, our new rookie quarterback, engineer and drive. It doesn't have to be anything fantastic. Just hand the ball off, do some scrambles, get us about to the 30-yard line. We kick the field goal, win the game. I'm okay with sending the Jaguars home like that because I absolutely, swear word, hate the Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) And I don't like their fan base very much either. So when they come to town, I like to embarrass them. Unfortunately, we're not able to do that because our team hasn't been very good. And let me make one thing perfectly clear. It's Jaguars. Yes. Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Jaguars. That's not Jaguar. There's no <laughs> damn W in that team's name. Like, I know we live in Indiana, and right. I'm a bit of a hick myself, but there's no W in Jaguar. No, it's I, not Jaguar. I still say washed sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my roots come out all the time. I, I mean, but yeah, it's Jaguar. You put an S at the end of Kroger. I'm going to hit the Krogers. Uh, Illinois is my problem, you know, and it, it comes out during the northbound one way over here sometimes. Illinois. Dude, <laughs> we put an S at the end of St. Elmo one day. You would have thought we shot the president. Oh, Matt. yeah. That started a mob. That's St. <laughs> Elmo's, you hick. It's St. Elmo. The guy was even saying saying Yeah, the guy that worked there put an S at the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) That came in. Uh, Matt Baer is joining us in studio. You sent me a story that if I got this from anybody else, I'd be like, that's odd that they sent me. But this made (laughs) sense coming from you. There may be a stool softener shortage. (laughs) Makes complete and total sense that that story comes from Matt. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about not having proper stool softeners. You know, I mean, like Maylocks and stuff like that. It's actually the uh, people are uh, from COVID. People got into some bad eating habits. So whenever we gained a few pounds, we all decided to go out and get some laxatives. Which you know, I, I it's it's funny that there aren't laxatives, but that's actually eating disorder. So you don't want to do that and just start eating a bunch of laxatives to lose weight please don't do that but there is a shortage because of it because we come out of, it's another thing that we came out of covid i mean like, does it's that like work? these things these things never end man can i win my rob kendall contest next week if i crap out about 30 pounds Hammer, <laughs> i'm telling you that's what uh, that's going through a colonoscopy leading up to your colonoscopy uh, yep. if you could get a colonoscopy before your next weigh in with rob kendall you'd be down 10 pounds <laughs> well that's the thing and so i'm, I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt, but have you had a colonoscopy yet there? No, uh-uh. We were right. actually planning to go together, I think, at some point. <laughs> you and Hammer yeah, we're going to live stream it. We're going to hold hands like Thelma and Louise. <laughs> I'm so in for this. I'm not joking. I am so in for this. Let's let's do it. I oh want um, Because I, I think it would help. I don't think enough men get their colons checked. They really, you and so you I should do this do video, Matt, where we're having like a serious conversation, like relations in the Middle East, while each of us are getting colonoscopy. And, and I want somebody playing the cello in the <laughs> you're, you're laying butt to butt <laughs> with two cameras on opposite sides. Love for say. It's that final scene where Thelma and Louise just drive off the cliff and they're holding hands. <laughs> Matt, if somebody wants to reach out to you, stalk you, love you, what's the best thing they can do? You can reach out to me and Matt in traffic. We have conversation there. I, I've been posting videos and details about these awful lane closures that are coming up for this weekend. And, and, and not to... Beat a dead horse here, but it is a serious lane closure, and you will be stuck there if you get out to Lawrence and Northbound this weekend. So please avoid it. At Matt in traffic, we'd love to have you. Great people there. Real quick update from the lovely and talented Mindy Winkler, who we love greatly on this program. Tell Matt I can introduce him to several single oh Colts boy. cheer alums. Woo! We got a ball game here. There we go. We got a ball game. Let's go. Thank you, Mindy. No, the Hammer awesome. and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show 
My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the 93 WIBC hotline. Tommy Piggott, RNC Rapid Response Director. You can see some of his work on Twitter at RNC Research. Tommy, House Oversight Committee making some bold statements. You had James Comer coming out saying he thinks they have the votes for an impeachment inquiry. We've got some new emails that have been released. What's the latest? Well, the latest is that we're trying to get to the facts here. And ultimately, what this discussion is about and what Speaker McCarthy has has, uh, really referenced is the fact that the Biden administration has been completely uh, obstructionist when it comes to releasing this data. And that's just unacceptable. And if the House will leverage what authority and power it has to, under the Constitution, exercise its constitutional oversight capability. So that's where we are now. And you're right to point out that every single day, more evidence comes out indicating and showing that Joe Biden uh, not only knew about what was going on with his family's shady business dealings, but was involved with his family's shady business dealings. And I even hesitate, honestly, to use the word business to describe them. Yeah, some of these emails that have now uh, been released by the Oversight Committee, I mean, it clearly shows Biden's vice presidential staff colluding with Hunter's business partners on the Burisma corruption media response. They knew what they were doing was crooked, according to these emails, but they were also concerned about the media fallout. That's exactly right. I mean, that shows that not only did they uh, know what was going on, they knew that it was inappropriate, uh, and they knew that media would react negatively, or at least the media should react negatively. It really is astonishing. You have an associate, according to these emails, of Hunter Biden's giving quotes to the White House for the White House, uh, excuse me, the vice president's office, for the vice president to use, his team to use in regards to the media. And Joe Biden, then vice president, signed off on those quotes himself. The flow of information here is astonishing. You have literally Hunter Biden's team dictating verbatim what Joe Biden and his team are going to say about Hunter and Burisma. It's astonishing. It's almost beyond collusion. It's almost like Hunter's calling the shots here when it comes to these family business dealings. It's astonishing. Uh, and, it's, and it's clear again and again and again that what Hunter was selling was Joe Biden. That's what Devin Archer testified to. That's what the emails show. And time and time again, it shows that the vice president's staff knew what was going on. And to, to, uh, as you said, they were colluding on how to how to really represent this issue to the media. And not to mention the emails, which is which is kind of the newest wrinkle in this whole thing. But I mean, Tommy, we have bank records, uh, dozens of shell companies. Where was this money coming from? Where was it going? Who was it going to? I mean, what at one point I think one of the names on one of these shell companies is like Biden's granddaughter. At this point, which is it, it's it's obvious. What are these shell? Co- what do these LLCs do other than house? money from China and Ukraine and Romania and Russia. And, and to be honest, the Democrats aren't even really refuting that point. Yes. They've accepted that the bank records are showing those things. So that just shows how outrageous the Democrats' quote-unquote defense of Biden is. They keep on moving the goalposts here. The bank records are showing that money was flowing through these LLCs, over 20 of them, 
to Biden's family members and not even the Biden family members that were, weren't even really involved, like grandchildren. Getting money. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's astonishing. It's, it's really, really uh, astonishing. And especially the fact that Democrats are refusing to follow up on all this, these issues. I, mean, I, I keep on thinking of like the movie The Godfather or something here where you have like a mafiosa operation. Basically, it's like it, you, have, you have pseudonyms, you have code names, the big guy, you have LLCs, you have money moving through all these shady avenues uh, under accounts named under different people. It's almost like they're purposely trying to hide this money as much as possible because they knew it was illegitimate. That's what it looks like. That's the only explanation that's been offered. And Democrats so far have offered no legitimate reason why Joe Biden, his his, his sons, his brothers, his grandchildren should be getting millions of dollars from really uh, uncredible people around the world. Tommy Pickett is our guest, RNC Rapid Response Director. Uh, Tommy, speaking of hiding, Joe Biden's re-election campaign has been basically nothing but him hiding on vacation this entire time. But this weekend, we're going to start seeing some re-election commercials. At least certain battleground states are. And the Joe Biden commercial is entitled War Zone. And the whole theme of it is how much he's doing for Ukraine. I just want to get your thoughts on Joe Biden's re-election commercials and battleground states being all about Ukraine. Yeah, I think he's really missing the mark on it. You know, the the ad is about him going to Ukraine. I thought it was notable that they can't make an ad of him going to East Palestine. They can't make an ad of him showing up there. They can't make an ad of him addressing uh, the toxic train disaster 217 days after it happened over six months Later, he promised to go. You know, it, it, they can't make an ad of him going there because he's never gone. And that just shows that when it comes to really responding to these crises, uh, he, he's really behind the eight ball. It's not a priority for him. They can't show a video of him saying no comment to the survivors of the Maui wildfire, wildfires. They can't show time and time again of, of him being on vacation. I mean, the ad is, is so missing the mark of who Americans see Joe Biden being as president. A president, like you said, who's on vacation and who really hasn't shown up when the American people need him to. Tommy, you have access to a lot of research and polling that the average person does not have. Where does Ukraine rank in terms of importance, even for Democrat voters? Because his commercial obviously is designed to lure in Democrat voters and maybe those moderates and independents and the people who just don't like Donald Trump. So what I'm getting at is, is this a winning strategy here? Is Ukraine something that is so important this is going to win people over? It's way down there in terms of the priorities of the American people. I mean, no one wants Vladimir Putin to have any sort of victory here. That's definitely the case. But when it comes to the crises ahead of the American people, they can barely afford to put gas in their car, food in their table, and afford rent. I mean, that's where the priorities of the American people lie. And for him, I think what this really is a reaction to are the growing – there's a CNN poll recently that showed that – Uh, The vast majority of Americans have serious concerns about his ability to perform in office. They have serious concerns about his capacity. They have serious concerns about his ability to serve another term. And I think this ad was supposed to be like, hey, look, I went to this war zone. And I think the, the, the one response is already the sense that he hasn't shown up at American disasters. But I think the two other responses is I don't even think this argument is making the argument they think it is. I mean, he's basically bragging that on his tenure. Putin invaded Ukraine because he thought the U.S. was so weak. <laughs> that on his tenure, we, I mean, we, the, our adversaries are on the mark. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the argument he's making here with this ad. It's just, it's astonishing to me. I mean, it, it, the, he's he's bragging about the fact that the world is in chaos, that Europe's at war under his administration. And then the second point is, almost everyone and their mother has gone to Ukraine at this point. I mean, think of all the actors that have gone. I mean, he's acting like he has vigor from this ad. It's not showing 
uh, it's not dispelling the real obvious concerns and I think the correct concerns Americans have about his ability to really serve as that concern. Yeah, I mean, when Randy Weingarten from the National, the, you know, the Teachers Union is going to visit Ukraine, it's just, at this point, it's sort of jumped the shark. And the other thing yeah. about this video uh, is this, or, or this commercial, this war zone commercial with Biden, you know where else it can't show him showing up? It's the southern border. Just real quick, I want your thoughts on uh, the, the, the footage of Mayor Adams of New York City, Tommy, yesterday, bemoaning the uh, all the illegal immigrants showing up to New York City and basically saying the the quiet part out loud is that these illegal immigrants are ruining and destroying New York City. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's about time he realized that 7.2 million illegal border crossings in under three years is a national and humanitarian crisis. I mean, it's about time that they realize that. Uh, it, it kind of it, it shows the hypocrisy of Democrats. They're fine supporting these ideologically bankrupt positions, these policies, until they have to live with the consequences. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And, and I think it's telling that Biden's response to this is to float this remain in Texas policy where he's going to force illegal immigrants to remain in Texas. Wow. How about reinstating remain in Mexico instead? Yes. How about, you know, that, that's what he should be doing, not not putting further strain on communities of 10, 20, and 30,000 along the border. Even New York, 8 million people can't handle it. I, I think know. it's about time we change course. Tommy Piggott, RNC Rapid Response Director. Tommy, one more thing. Uh, you brought up gas prices earlier. This past week, we saw the White House Press Secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, come out and say that they're lowering gas prices. Hell, she was bragging about lowering gas prices. Anybody buying that, Tommy? Well, no one that's buying gas is actually buying that. I mean, that's, 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 that's just not true. I mean, it, it really is another example of, I think they struggle with definitions. I mean, that's the best case scenario where they don't know what these words actually mean that they're saying. Because generally lower, you, you would assume that the price is lower. You would assume that the price is less than it was a year ago. But if you look at the facts, the price of a gallon of gas is up compared to what it was at this time last year. And, and it's up about $1.40 per gallon from when Joe Biden took office. So that's nothing to brag about. And they've been people have been paying these prices for 850 days. So it's not just showing up to the gas tank once in one day. It's $3.80. You know, it's every single day you go, you're paying these outrageous prices. And it's a compounding effect again and again and again, draining your pocketbook. That's what Joe Biden's done with these gas prices. And for them to brag about it, uh, I mean, they either have no idea what they're talking about or they're purposely lying. And either way, we got to vote them out. That's an amazing stat you just threw out there. Gas prices have been above $3 a gallon for 850 days. Wow. And the Strategic Reserve has about 18 days left because when they were at their peak in terms of prices, the Biden administration tapped into the Strategic Reserve. That's amazing. Yeah, he played politics with it. I mean, it reminds me, they spend $2 trillion, and what do we get for it? Inflation. And they release all of the oil from our strategic reserve, and what do we get it? What do we get for it? Three dollars and eighty cents per gallon gas. I mean, they don't. There's no like cost benefit analysis here that they're performing. They're playing politics with our money, with our reserves. You're exactly right to point out only 18 days worth of supplies, and he's out there acting like he's making our country energy independent. In reality, it's the exact opposite. We're more vulnerable now to energy shocks than we've ever been because Joe Biden has played politics with our reserves in order to push his green energy agenda. And, and ultimately, he can do that because he's not paying the price. Everyday Americans are paying the price. And again, that's the hypocrisy of liberal policies. They're fine pushing these policies as long as someone else is paying for it.
Man, you bring up liberal policies. I mean, that's the oldest trick in the book, right? Because here in Indianapolis, it's a very blue city in a red state, Democrat mayor, very woke, soft prosecutor. The oldest trick in the book is they'll tell you, well, crime is down year to year. They didn't mention that last year was like a top five year of all time, and a couple <laughs> years ago was the all-time record. Like, they were in charge of that. You don't get to do a victory lap when it's not an all-time record. That's exactly right. It's like with his inflation stats. He's like, this is the lowest it's been in two years. Like, wait, 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 wait a minute. You, you were president here. <laughs> They're actually higher than they were when you took office. I mean, it, it, that's, an exa- that's an excellent point. They, they almost make things so bad that when things get a little bit better, you know, they brag about it. And then when things get just as bad again, they claim that they had no responsibility. They did their best. Yeah, they, they take no responsibility. They play with the benchmarks. It's all about trying to manipulate their message because they really have no results to run on because the results are just so terrible. Tommy Piggott, RNC Rapid Response Director. Check out some of his work on Twitter, at RNC Research. Tommy, we'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks for having me on. Have a good weekend. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. We get a- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Lewd nude dude in the news. Here's another lewd nude dude in the news. Six foot five inch naked man broke into a couple of Colorado homes. His name's Stefan. <laughs> Charged with burglary, assault, and public indecency. Here's a couple of the homeowners and the police chief. My wife had just walked out of the house, and she noticed this man wearing nothing but a trash bag that I chased after him into our house and then started yelling at him, pushing him out, and then uh, we started kind of wrestling on our porch here. Oh. I just had a few scratches, a torn shirt, and a broken gate. In one fell swoop, you're chasing a naked man down an alley. He's a large individual. He's about six foot five, uh, about 240, 250 pounds. He was not listening to the officer's command. You know, at what point? When you're wrestling a six foot five inch naked man, like you know, you're obviously concerned about your safety, the safety of your family. But secondarily, it would creep up in my mind at some point that I realize I'm going to have to make physical contact with this dude's crank. Allison, <laughs> have you ever wrestled a six foot five naked man before? Uh, I, I, no. You had to think about it. You had to think about. It. Are you lying to us? No, I just no. There's too many visuals going on right now. I just can't like. Just whether you're a policeman or the homeowner, you got a big giant naked dude. You know the reality sets in. I'm gonna have to wrestle this guy, and eventually there's going to be physical contact with his penis. I just, I, I just the, the whole thing is just just awful, awful. Yeah, that's that's not good for anybody. <laughs> this has been another lewd. Yet another reason why police aren't paid enough. Now, I know we got a break here in just a second, but uh, Allison was telling us off the air that so many people are still responding to our story about Gary Busey the other day. Oh, yeah. Like, we talk about serious stuff all the time. The hit and run? Nobody cares. We talk about Gary Busey stuff. He was on The Celebrity Apprentice, and... 
you remember this scene, right? Yeah, I was just looking at funny moments from Celebrity Apprentice of that season, and there's a great clip of Meatloaf just going at Gary Busey because he stole his paint for a project. Then you have uh, country singer John Rich get in there and try to break up the fight. Hilarious. So John Rich had to break up a fight between Gary Busey and Meatloaf. <laughs> That's right. This is the greatest country in the world. TV gold. The greatest country in the world. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Jason Hammer right over there with the very special guests on the hotline. Rick Snyder is the president of the Fraternal Order of Police Lodge 86 here in Indy. He joins us. Rick, when it comes to FOP endorsements, the Fraternal Order of Police, it's not a Republican organization. It's not a Democrat organization. Historically, your recommendations as an organization have kind of covered both sides of the political scale. Is that correct? Absolutely. We really say that we are a nonpartisan organization that's focused on policing, public safety, and uh, the safety of our families, of our officers as well. So last night, a series of endorsements from the FOP uh, was released in regards to upcoming races. There's council races. There's, you know, things like that. But the big glaring issue that I saw last night, Rick, was the Fraternal Order of Police did not endorse any candidate for mayor. Now, when it comes to Joe Hogsett, I completely understand why the FOP decided this time around enough was enough. Take me through why the FOP did not endorse Jefferson Shreve, his opponent. Well, I think first and foremost, you know, a no endorsement for Indy mayor, that's the first time in decades that the FOP has remained neutral. I've, I've been talking to some folks, and many can't tell me a time that they can recall where that has ever occurred. And I like to say this because I think it's true, and I think this is what our membership were, was conveying, which is that a no endorsement can say just as much, if not more, than endorsing a candidate. And so, you know, we had a, a, a very fair, firm, consistent process that guys – most people don't realize this, but the FOP endorsement process, if you talk to most candidates for office, they would tell you it's one of the most challenging and diligent processes they go through in an election cycle. I'm pleased to say that both of the candidates participated in the process, very lengthy, in-depth discussions and reviews with our candidate evaluation committee. And both of the candidates made clear that they very much wanted the support of the FOP. But I think this no endorsement vote proves and shows that the FOP endorsement is not just given out, but that it has to be earned, and neither candidate earned the FOP stamp of approval. Let me, let's let's stick with Jefferson Sharif here, uh, Rick. He, sure. one, of the, one of the differences of his plan for uh, crime and safety in the city is appointing a public safety director, something that says Joe Hogshead has not done this. And that's going to be that's you know a big difference in my plan. I don't. I, and I'm just wondering how important is it for the FOP that? Well, thanks for asking that. The, the, you know, how, what is a public safety director, and is does that matter to you guys at all? Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Thanks for asking because very few uh, ever do. Uh, that really is. The FOP is pretty indifferent to having a public safety director. Okay. Quite frankly, police officers look at that and say the idea of another layer of bureaucracy and potentially another politician 
stuck in between the chief of police and the mayor, the chief executive of the city of Indianapolis, really isn't uh, something that we necessarily look forward to. We've been down that road before. It was a nice change of pace, quite frankly, and Joe Hogsett even demonstrated that when he moved Troy Riggs, who was a public safety director, into the chief of police position and said, we're going to have a direct line of communication. The problem is, is that there has to be the communication and there also has to be outcomes that back that up. And we need a chief executive that's going to stand behind the thin blue line who are out there faithfully serving on behalf of those elected leaders. Look, when we looked at Jefferson Shreve, we were very open to the possibility of a viable alternative. We really were hoping that we would see from the local Republican Party a back-to-basics approach. We saw several talking points, but there wasn't a lot of depth that backed those up such as the public safety director position. And in many of the positions just were not convincing to our officers, especially on this issue of the retention crisis that we're within, how we're going to retain the officers that we have with better pay, better equipment, better work-life balance. And uh, Mr. Shreve, nothing personal. He's a businessman. Uh, he has business leadership skills, but he seemed more focused on just simply managing the issue rather than some kind of transformational leadership in that office. Doesn't mean that he can't do that, but he was not able to convey that or demonstrate that to our officers. And what our officers said last night, I think, was very compelling, which is we don't need another politician just simply paying lip service to identity politics and wedge issues. And uh, our officers were very focused on upholding that. And Rick, that's what I hear from a lot of Indianapolis residents. I live in Indy. I'm a Marion County voter. And listen, nobody wants Joe Hogsett gone more than I do. And I've made that perfectly clear on this program. But I just can't bring myself to vote for a guy in Jefferson Shreve who looks at a lot of these ridiculous policies and says, hot damn, I'm going to do the exact same thing, and then turns around and kind of blames law-abiding citizens that want to carry a firearm like myself for a lot of the problems in this city. It just seems it's silly and ridiculous, and that's why I'm putting a write-in candidate for this. Is that anything that what your officers were saying to you, some of those same things? Well, I'm very proud of our membership because there was a very deliberate discussion before this vote, and there were salient points that were kept being interwoven throughout this that actually matched up exactly with what I hear from officers all over the city, including including just as recently as this afternoon, where I was with a group of about 150 officers, and they applauded uh, uh, the FOP and the actions that were taken. And here's why. Remember, guys, I'll give you an example of this juxtaposition between the two candidates. Don't forget we had the Mayor Hogsett who took that if-only approach with proposing those unenforceable and inconsistent ordinances related to guns and gun crimes that actually conflict with the United States Constitution, Indiana State Constitution, established law, and court precedent. There is no police officer that can knowingly, intentionally allow themselves to be put in the middle of something such as that. So you'll remember we issued that very lengthy written statement, and I told you guys on your show, bookmark that because we have we are preserving the record and we'll be coming back to point to that. And what happened? I personally spoke with uh, Mr. Shreve, and I said, whatever you do, just understand that law enforcement vehemently disagrees with this approach do yourself a favor and do not go down that road he nodded and he doubled down on it and he actually supported it and made clear that it really was more of a political calculation that was done to gain votes which showed us that this was about playing politics with policing and that ain't gonna happen guys and speaking of playing 
politics that's something that you guys do not do we're speaking of rick snyder indy fop um drill down a little bit more about the criteria for your endorsements you've endorsed I, I, I know you've endorsed democrats uh in beach grove i know you've endorsed some republicans and even some democrats on the indy city county council it's not it's it's not about republicans or democrats it's about the criteria and helping law enforcement do their job properly just just get into maybe some of the uh, uh, criteria to, to you you guys look at when doing uh, when endorsing candidates sure so obviously public safety policing uh the crime and violence that our city has been facing are top of the mind but we're also looking at process we're looking at policy decisions and positions related to that and we're actually looking for candidates that are willing to step forward and to be bold and take on the issues not just regurgitate talking points but also to understand that that fop logo our name and our endorsement is backed by the support of over three thousand women and men of the fop and their families it's not just a rubber stamp. We don't just don't put up the proverbial finger in the political winds to see which way we should go and that it should not be taken for granted. We stand on principle when we do this. And here's why. People say, well, I, I always joke about this. When we endorse a candidate, when we endorse Greg Ballard, a Republican for mayor, all the Democrats said we were a right wing organization. When we endorse Joe Hogsett twice, back to back, twice, uh, they said we were a left-wing uh, labor union, um, and I always find that people who don't get the endorsement tend to book, accuse us of being a political favorite of the opposing party. Nothing could be further from the truth. In the Indianapolis City County Council races, we ended up endorsing eight Republicans and four Democrats. But in the Beach Grove Council races, we endorsed seven Democrats and one Republican. What you're finding is, is we're supporting candidates who support the issues that we know are of vital importance in the middle of a crime and violence crisis in our capital city. And that's what we stood upon. Uh, we've done it with, take, a, for example, a great candidate up in Lawrence Township, Natalie Goodwin. Here's an up-and-coming candidate that can truly demonstrate that she can transform those neighborhoods up there and lead on those issues. That 75th and Shagelin area that's been so scourged with violence, Reverend Harrison's been up there working with them to take those neighborhoods back. She's actually leading on those fronts. Those are the type of candidates that we say the community and the voters can put stock in to start turning this city around. Rick, one more thing here before we let you go. You mentioned it yourself. The FOP has endorsed Joe Hogsett twice in the past. So what's changed since 2019, the last time you gave Joe Hogsett this endorsement? How different of a guy is Joe Hogsett to be endorsed by the FOP and now not? Well, it's important, you know, facts matter. We're focused on outcomes. Joe Hogsett has overseen back-to-back-to-back-to-back years of 200-plus homicides. I personally, on behalf of our membership, uh, have looked him in the eye and begged and pleaded for him to use the bully pulpit of his office to highlight the broken revolving door of criminal justice in our city. Unfortunately, guys, as I shared with you, it took over 1,400 deaths of our fellow residents and neighbors before he would even utter the words revolving door. I made it very clear that that was could not be tolerated when people were dying in our community. And guys, what I can tell you is our members made clear they have not forgotten the riots of 2020. They have not forgotten the riot report, which was not only false in its outcomes, but actually our officers said what was alleged that they said in good faith in those interviews was not only reported incorrectly, but actually the opposite of what they said. 
We've all have officers that since then have been forced to defend their lives, and then were forced to face persecution under the guise of criminal prosecution. And those officers were made criminals for simply doing their jobs, and they were deemed to be guilty until they proved themselves innocent, all while stuck in the middle of this violence. Those are the things that have changed, and our city is at a fundamental fork in the road when it comes to our capital city, which seems to be swirling the drain when it comes to crime and violence. The cops are doing their part. We've got a prosecutor in courts that are failing to do theirs, and we need a politician, an elected official, to step forward, to be bold, and we, this is our simple message to the political parties. Do better. Political posturing has to come to an end. It's ran its course. And we need an, a leader to get into the game. People are hurting. People are suffering. And people are dying. It's time to change course. Rick Snyder, president of the Fraternal Order of Police Lodge 86. Rick, you are a friend to the Hammer and Nigel show. We consider you a friend. God bless you. God bless your family and tell your officers that uh, Hammer and Nigel show audience supports what they do. God bless you guys. We'll continue to stand the line. Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, blah, 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 blah. We know how to play the game. Dateline, Ohio. An Ohio man was caught on a security camera clipping off his ankle bracelet with hedge clippers <laughs> inside of a local Ace Hardware store. This is the store manager, Cheryl, talking about the incident. Maybe he thought that it was an out-of-the-way spot, that he could just come in, and we have hedge clippers. The other sure. stores in the plaza do not have them. And uh, we were the helpful hardware folks with the hedge clippers. <laughs> yes, we were. Yeah, this is something. It just shows you kind of how useless these ankle bracelets are. I mean, this happens on a daily basis on the reg here in Indianapolis, one of the uh, cities, one of the top cities in the country that uses ankle monitoring. That doesn't seem to work. I mean, like parole officers pick the ankle monitor up from the store later that day. They still are working to identify who this guy is. He got up. He just took it off and rode off on his bicycle. Right. It's it, it, These things are just... They they seem worthless, don't they? I Allison, mean, is this a service Pat Sullivan offers like during the Home and Garden show? Like For the right price, it could. <laughs> if you're an Indianapolis area felon that's been slapped with an ankle monitor by Ryan Mears' office, can you come by during the Home and Garden show and Pat and Denny will cut it off for you? Just the friendly hardware store. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and the fact that this guy, I mean, the guy knew he was on camera. Right, he, he knew he's not scared. Like these criminals aren't scared anymore. That's it. Dateline, New Jersey. A couple in New Jersey recently bought a house. When they had to replace some drywall in the basement, <laughs> and they opened it up, they found dozens of empty Captain Morgan Spice rum bottles <laughs> starting to fall out. Listen as the husband Dude. moves them out of the wall, and his wife follows with some witty banter. Those are all empty bottles. Five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Hammer, go to our X account right now, at Hammer and Nigel. I just posted 
the the sound the audio doesn't do it justice whoever lived in the house before this couple was a gigantic drunk <laughs> and had to hide all his bottles like he couldn't throw them away oh apparently. my god look at all the, the like there was a flood in their basement there's a new Good house a new lord porch. here's what it said purchased a home immediately had a huge flood massive rainstorm and more water than the ground could hold this is what we found on the walls of finishing the basement removing the ruined sheet rock uh now here's the store i mean i mean hundreds of bottles look at you're watching it right now hundreds like when you say a few bottles fell out no 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 no, that's not accurate. A crap ton of <laughs> bottles fell out. Now here's the here's the key. Here's the update with this. The previous owner saw this video and how it went viral and followed up with the current owners by saying there are hundreds more hidden in different walls, in more walls within the house. But but he's 3 years sober. Well, good for Congratulations. him. Congratulations. So the house is insulated with empty <laughs> Captain Morgan yeah. bottles. That's what it is. No pink insulation, no. just empty Captain Morgan's bottles. And that's, I, I'm assuming this guy, whoever lived there, maybe had a family or had a, had a wife that was keeping an eye on him. You know, she would check the trash cans on a daily basis to see if her husband was drinking. And he knew he couldn't go that route with an empty bottle. So he just found a, a hole in the drywall and started piling it up. It's like looking go. into the future, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew somewhere along the lines that joke was coming. Okay, but go to the, our X account at Hammer and Nigel. The the audio and our even description doesn't do it justice. I've really never seen anything like that before in my life. Let's do one more. Can we do one more? Sure, let's do it. A bear walked into an outdoor party, and a guy named Mike <laughs> decided to escort the bear out of the party idea. through the gate. Listen as partygoers strongly advise Mike to get away from the bear because it's a bad idea. Come on, get it, Dad, get it. Mike, hey, hey, no, Mike. Just move. Just move. Oh, my God. I have that on video. Mike got it from a bear. <laughs> yeah, that's something Mike uh, didn't listen to the other party goers because uh, once they got out, the, he mauled Mike. The bear mauled Mike. Uh, got the side of his rib cage and uh, cut him. And that was a bad idea. Yeah, that's something for sure. Just leave the bear alone. He'll walk out on its own. There's, what you're telling me is there's no need to shoo the bear because I think that's a segue into great moments well, in shooing, shooing away, away bears, bears history. history. These are the guys in California that had a bear on their roof. Hey, bear. <laughs> hey, bear. Get. Get. Go get. Get. Get, bear. Get out. Hey, yo. <laughs> yo, bear. Get. Go on, get. This was the guy that was trying to reason with the bear who was stealing all the feed from the bird feeder. Stop it right now. No. Stop it down, bear. No. 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 <laughs> down. Bear. Bear. Down. And of course, the mother of shooing oh, away yeah. bear's history. Give it to me. The guy on the hiking trail. Quack. <laughs> <laughs> Great moments in shooing away bears history. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Yeah, and Hammer, about an hour from now, we have Breitbart immigration reporter John Bender on, who has some surprising and shocking info on the Mexican cartels and how they're not just operating on the Mexican side of the border or even just inside the Texas border. They are operating everywhere in the United States, including right here in the Midwest. We had that story yesterday of the 70,000 fentanyl pills that were busted or confiscated at a hotel in Evansville and how investigators were uh, surveilling the Mexican drug cartels in southern Indiana and western Kentucky since May. Now, this isn't the same bender from the Breakfast Club, is it? (laughs) Very different bender. Oh, so this is the Pacers player, <laughs> former Pacers Not player. Jonathan Bender. Oh, okay. John Bender, oh, who, is, um, okay. who is, is probably uh, knows anything and everything about uh, the immigration and all the problems we're having in the United States right now. So that's at about 530. Missouri Senator Josh Hawley was asked about Mitch McConnell's future of being the leader of the Senate Republicans, something they had a vote on not that long ago. Now, to his credit, Josh Hawley was a no on this. Take a listen to what the senator from Missouri has to say. Yeah, I am concerned. I get asked about it constantly. I understand why people are concerned about it. I'm concerned about it. Listen, Laura, I'll be honest with you. I didn't vote for Mitch McConnell for leader. He is not my choice to be leader. And so I think we need a change. I've said that for months. And this is something that I tweeted out earlier, though. And again, I'm not saying this was Josh Hawley because he voted against Mitch McConnell to be the leader. But so many people come out and say, oh, there needs to be term limits. These people are too old to run. And guess what happens? They go to the ballot box and they elect the same old people. Now, that happens in general elections, and it happens in committees and assignments here. We just heard from Nancy Pelosi's camp. She's she's going for it again. What is she, 83? (laughs) Yes. And she's running for re-election. And so here you have another uh, Republican senator uh, questioning and calling for, uh, at least, I don't know if he's calling for the removal of, of... McConnell. That wouldn't be smart, I don't think, right now at this point, because the governor of Kentucky is a Democrat. And the way I understand it, maybe I'm wrong here, is if something goes wrong with Mitch McConnell, whether it's his health, he has to step down. The governor of Kentucky can install a Democrat senator until they can have a a, a runoff election, which is bad news. I mean, we even had the audio of Rand Paul, the junior senator from Kentucky, questioning Mitch McConnell, or maybe more along the lines of questioning his diagnosis from Mitch's doctor. Dehydration is what they're running with as to why cocaine Mitch keeps freezing up. That's not dehydration. It didn't look like. That's an old man that's having issues that could be concussion related from a bad fall or hell. I mean, it could be stroke related, could be something else. But it doesn't look like dehydration. Again, I'm not a doctor. I've never taken one medical class, but I've seen dehydration before. I've played a lot of sports in my life, and one of the symptoms of every person I've seen dehydrated wasn't standing there looking catatonic, freezing in front of a crowd. Uh, Man, I think this is an underreported 
story in this country. There's a big nurse shortage right now. America's nurses are kind of stressed out to the point to where they're leaving the industry, whether it's because of, you know, vaccine mandates. They don't like the leadership. But according to a new report, by 2027, nearly a fifth of the registered nurses are going to be hanging up their scrubs for good. This is from the National Council of State Boards of Nursing. This is a problem. The nursing shortage has been going on for a while, but the pandemic seemed to kickstart it in overdrive. And Nige, I'm telling you, you have a nursing shortage that's going to back these hospitals up really bad. Well, it's, it's time to start opening up the bank accounts. Back up the Brinks truck for these nurses and medical professionals, because God knows somebody's getting rich in the medical industry, and it ain't the nurses. Right. And the money flowing hand over fist with uh, with medicine in this country to the pharmaceutical companies, to the giant hospital corporations. No wonder these nurses, fought. they were the heroes. They were on the front lines. They were People were parking in uh, hospitals and flashing their lights and honking their horns um, at shift changes at hospitals. I remember they did it in Avon during COVID, right? And then because they were exposed to COVID, because they already had immunity from COVID and they didn't want to get the mandated vaccine, they were treated like pariahs the next year. Totally unfair. I could definitely see why nurses were soured on their profession. And yeah, we need to definitely make some changes and and make it more attractive for, for people to get back into this line of work. No questions about it. Now, there are some nurses, like any profession, that don't necessarily live up to the standards. I'm not acting like all of them are great, but the majority of them, they're out there doing the work, and they might not even agree with the leadership of their party. It's like teachers. A lot of the teachers disagreed with what the unions were saying they should do. You know, the day-to-day teachers were showing up every day, helping kids, going to school. It's the lunatics like Randy Weingarten flying over to Ukraine but saying the classrooms aren't (laughs) safe. Nursing is like that, too. Man, I know this for a fact because some good doctors that have been part of our family for a long time. Doctors, nurses, they're getting out of the game because they don't like the mandates coming from the leadership positions. But you're so right, Nige. Who deserves the money? A board member of Pfizer or somebody that's helping you every single day at one of these hospitals? Who deserves more money? Who deserves the pay raise? Allison, we got some booze news. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read Booze News because it's really fun. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. Terrible to present. Booze News, Booze News. Time for Booze News. Bad. 23-year-old man in Florida arrested after assaulting a couple at Walgreens. Oh, no. Worse. He was drunk and assaulted them with Snickers bars. <laughs> he strolled into the Walgreens okay. about 1.20 a.m. because he wanted some smokes. Of course. The workers refused, told him he had to leave. He was hammered drunk, flipped out, and started firing Snicker bars, throwing <laughs> Nolan Ryan-style heaters at people, hit a male worker in the chest, hit a female worker in the face. 
He was arrested for two counts Good. of misdemeanor battery and released after a $1,000 bond. Good. I wonder how much $1,000 is in Snickers bars. <laughs> is this like they jail get, math? Right. <laughs> <laughs> how many cigarettes is worth? Yeah, I like cigarettes and currency in jail. Right. <laughs> jail math. Why was he... So uh, is there such a thing as being too drunk to buy cigarettes? <laughs> That's a great question. I, I, just just get the guy his cigs and be on their way. It's my experience that no is the answer to that question. But <laughs> again, this was in Florida too. Of course. So take that up a notch. Yeah. How drunk do you have to be? in florida yes. to buy some smokes or this, to get or to get denied right service this dude must have just been hammered and it's time for the degenerate special yeah. it's time for hammers degenerate special the degenerate special a bet that i give to you that you might not have your eye on but the money you win on this game spends the same as if you're watching the Texas and Alabama game. You hit last week, right? We are 2-1 and one on the Degenerate Special. A winner last week. Again, I hate Vanderbilt because we should be 3-0. and oh. So here's the deal. Look fat. Here's the deal. <laughs> While most of you are going to be watching Texas and Alabama, which I have a play on, and you can get that pick on our Facebook and Twitter right now, at Hammer and Nigel. I'm talking about Jacksonville State at Coastal Carolina, whoa, baby. Whoa. Coastal Carolina, 0-1, but they played pretty well last week at UCLA. Came close. It was a close loss. This is their home opener. That teal turf of Coastal Carolina, it awaits tomorrow night. Now, Jacksonville State, this is their third game. They're 2-0. This is the first year they've been playing against the big boys in the FBS, a.k.a. Division One. They're in Conference USA, but they can play. Solid week one, I'm sorry, week zero win against UTEP. And now they're on the road at Coastal Carolina. Coastal is a 14-point favorite. Coastal Carolina is better. Their quarterback's a stud. He's a three-time Sun Belt Player of the Year. But Jacksonville State, they want to slow this game down. They want to run the ball. They want to keep the ball out of the hands of their opponent. And with this new running clock in college football, this is going to help them. Plus, Coastal stinks at stopping the run. (laughs) So if you are a transition team, which Jacksonville State is, going from the FCS to the FBS, there's no better person to have at the helm Then Rich Rodriguez, Rich Rod, Michigan fans. You remember this guy, right? You are one pathetic loser. He may have failed at Michigan, but he was also the head coach at West Virginia and Arizona from 2001 to 2017. This is an old cat that has seen it all. He's going to have his team prepared to ground and pound and play keep away from a Coastal Carolina team that can't stop the run. Cue up the band. I'm ready to take a chance on Rich Rod. There it is. Ready, baby. Come on, Rich Rod, baby. I may be insane. I may be crazy. I may be all by myself, but I'm going to take the two (laughs) touchdowns in Jacksonville State. Wow. 
That is degenerate. Jacksonville State plus 14. We don't need him to win. We just need him to keep it close. That is this week's degenerate special. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> and right now, if you go to WIBC.com, the Hammer and Nigel Show social media, I've got picks for you, including the Texas and Alabama game. Scott Long has got some picks for you, college and the NFL. And our two pros, the two professional handicappers, David Stefanoff, followneverfade.com and the cashman Alan Cashman the cashmanwins.com these guys are amazing the value they have subscribe to these guys it's so worth it and they're incredibly good can you talk about the Colts so I like the Colts man I'm telling you, you I don't know if they like win the, the point spread Home underdogs in divisional games last couple of years in week one, winning at like a 60% mark in the NFL. So this week, that's the Colts and that's the Giants. Giants are at home against the Cowboys. Giants are a home dog. I'm just saying the numbers line up for those home dogs to bark and the Colts are getting a number of points here. Keep that in mind. Free picks await and the same rules apply. If you win, we don't need a thank you. If you lose, we don't want to hear any crap. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies jamming out to something new and everything in between and nigel you believe these characters are weirdos so let's rock my name is nigel jason hammer right over there talk more about the cnn theory that you have we discussed this at length yesterday and we have some more proof that your theory might actually be correct hammer my theory is that CNN, folks inside those walls, folks that run the network, they would be better off without Joe Biden being the president. Whether that's he steps down and somebody else runs, or Donald Trump wins the election. Because their ratings were gold when Donald Trump was the president. And now, if you watch CNN, they're really critical of Joe Biden. They've never been this way. You never would have heard this, you know, a couple of years ago. But now I think they see an opportunity to get better numbers without Joe Biden. And there's further proof of this by the polling. Yeah, so CNN's been putting out a bunch of polls lately showing that, you know, Donald Trump basically tied with Joe Biden. And this time back in, you know, 2019, close to 2020, they had Joe Biden up big. Oh, yeah. Joe Biden ultimately won, but it was close. So now take a listen to this. This is CNN's political analyst talking about how Joe Biden's in trouble. And his idiot, crack-smoking son, Hunter, (laughs) is a problem. Obviously, a lot of the results here are driven by partisanship, and we see what the Republicans on Capitol Hill are trying to do with this issue. But it seems to be working a little bit. So we asked Americans, you know, what was Joe Biden involved in Hunter Biden's business dealings when he was vice president? And a clear majority, 61 percent, say Joe Biden was involved in Hunter Biden's business dealings at the time. 38 percent say he wasn't. By the way, that includes 42 percent who think Joe Biden 
acted illegally. Um, nearly two-thirds of independents think Joe Biden was involved in these business dealings as vice president. And then there was also... Um, the question that we asked folks about Joe Biden's actions regarding the investigation itself. Did he act appropriately or not? Uh, Fifty-five percent of Americans in this poll say Joe Biden has acted inappropriately. So this is not just talking about his age at this point, because one of the criticisms we've always had was when Democrats you know, talk about Joe Biden and how he should be president, just solely because of his age. Now we're starting to wade into some deeper waters here. Right. Right. And CNN never, never. used to do this. Never. Think about the summer of love when the riots were happening. They were the ones telling you it was mostly peaceful. Yes, there's a lot of damage. Two billion dollars worth of damage. There's a liquor store <laughs> on fire behind me. Our reporter is in fatigue. But everything is mostly peaceful. Now, they're specifically saying Joe Biden is a crook. I'm telling you right now, and I'm using two fingers like the crazy plane lady. I'm telling you right now, CNN, they want Joe Biden to go away. And they're not even talking, they're talking about the border crisis as well, right? So, John Avlin, he's kind of one of the conservatives they have on CNN, but they still give him a platform, which is more than they did a number of years ago. Here he is talking about how, if he wanted to, Joe Biden and his administration could fix what's happening in places like New York. Start enforcing asylum laws on the books. Not everyone's a legitimate asylum seeker. You shouldn't just take them at their word. Some folks are coming here for a better life. That's a great American story, but it's not reflective of the reason asylum seeker laws are in place. So those need to be enforced more strictly. And then you should look at some of the work requirements, which are currently 180 days. Those things can be done without congressional approval. The Biden administration should be taking the lead and listening to Adams. Boy, there was a day and age where CNN would ban you from their TV set, their broadcast, their studios for saying something like that. I mean, in the last four minutes here, the things we've talked about, the audio we played, you would have thought that was Fox or, you know, News Nation, One America, something. Newsmax? No, that was CNN. Now, on the subject of the uh, illegal immigration crisis in New York, we have an update on. Sanctuary City, New York City, complaining that the illegals are coming to New York City. New Yorkers were protesting the pasty white liberals. (laughs) They were yelling at these open border activists in New York. Really pushing back. Take a listen to this. So wait a minute. There's there are open border activists standing outside a migrant camp, right? That are defending. They want the migrants here. They want the illegals to stay here. And the people, the citizens are stu- they they were counter protesters essentially. Is that not just the best protest chant ever? That's not Alabama. That's not (laughs) West Virginia. That is in New York City. So, man, things are crazy right now. CNN ripping on the Biden administration. New York City activists being yelled at, called crazy white liberals. No, no, no. Pasty. 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 I'm sorry. Pasty (laughs) white liberals. I love that. Which takes us into a segment we call Great Moments in Chanting. Okay. This was the night that bin Laden 
got killed. The news started leaking out that Bin Laden was dead, and there was a baseball game on ESPN. The Phillies were at home, and you hear the USA chant start to pick up and build steam. Now the pitch, and it's line foul into the seats. Down the third base line, one ball, one strike, and I'll tell you what's going on. The crowd is chanting USA, and the reason for that is that there are reports circulating. I am not sure if they've yet been confirmed by the White House that Osama bin Laden is dead. Wow. Great moments in chanting. We go to the SEC, Neyland Stadium, home of the Tennessee Volunteers, like 104,000 people all in unison sharing their thoughts of Joe Biden. Great moments in chanting from the people who brought you that chant came this little situation at a NASCAR Xfinity race. Brandon, you also told me, and you can hear the chants from the the crowd. Let's go, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's what they were chanting. And on the heels of that, Nigel, when we did our live show down in Shelbyville at Putters, take a listen to the crowd. We are live in Shelbyville at Putters. The Hammer Nigel Roadshow in Shelbyville live from Putters. My name is Nigel. That's Jason Hammer. Guy Relford is joined. Do you hear a chant? Something about a NASCAR driver. I don't know what it is. It's a rowdy crowd there down uh, in Shelbyville. Man, I'd love to do that again. Let's do it. Great moments in chanting. Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! So the average ticket price hammer for the big Texas-Alabama game this Saturday night is $453. Ooh. (laughs) Hotels in Tuscaloosa going for thousands of dollars a night. Rooms at the NBC Suites on Hotels.com. Nearly $5,000 for a Friday and Saturday night game. Good Lord. (laughs) Are, Are you okay with this? You know what? I am because it's supply and demand. Like college football in certain places is more than a game. It's religion. And you've got two of the biggest brands in all of college football, Texas and Alabama, getting together this Saturday. Now, you lived in Austin for a little while, Nodge. You can attest, Texas football, Longhorn football. Unbelievable. Big deal. Huge, huge deal. All day ordeal. (laughs) These teams played last year in Austin. Great game. Alabama won, but they probably should have lost. So the rematch is in Tuscaloosa. And I'm looking at some of these prices. Hotel Capstone will cost more than $4,500 for the two nights. A total of 15 different Tuscaloosa area hotels are charging at least $1,000 for Friday and a Saturday night stay. Minimum two night stay. Check this out. The Econo Lodge. Econo Lodge 
$1,000 for two nights. <laughs> and I have a feeling the Econo Lodge isn't exactly the Conrad. No, it's not. You're going to get a bed, and that's pretty much it. So, yeah, this is big business, man. It's supply and demand. Longhorn fans, they're going to be going to Tuscaloosa trying to get a ticket. Bama fans, they've been waiting for this first big game of the year. And if you know anything at all about the way they party in Alabama, Saturday night's going to be lit. My brother Bill and my other brother Cleet, a belly full of beer and a freezer full of meat. Somebody <laughs> must have hit another deer last night in Alabama Saturday night. I was going to cut my mullet this fall, but locks of love won't return my call. So I'll just trim the top and sides Alabama Saturday night. Let's go! We got A's on our shirts and A's on our hats, but we never did learn any letters after that. We ain't all dumb, but we ain't all bright. Alabama, Alabama Saturday, Saturday night. night. <laughs> on Friday night, we get dressed up. This is the breakdown. In our tank tops, head out to the club. Sam's Club. <laughs> yeah! And we buy butter by the gallon and ketchup by the quart. Beer bellies hanging over fresh cut jorts. Sleep in the truck till the morning light. Alabama Saturday night. Man, it's going to be lit. Saturday, the Tide, the Longhorns, and I've got that pick, my pick, at WIBC.com and pinned to the Hammer and Nigel Show social media. You know what a temperature blanket is, Hammer? That's like, I've seen this trend online where people base their quilt that they're making, they crochet this blanket or quilt based on the weather outside. Right, so, so using that idea, a woman has knitted a poop blanket. I'm sorry, she knitted a what? A poop. I'm trying not to pop my peas here into the microphone, but she she knitted a poop blanket. Each day, she had a bowel movement. Oh. She made a part of the blanket based on a chart she created that includes the color and texture of her dung. Oh, man. You can follow her progress, of course, where else on TikTok. Hit the poop deck. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, it is January 22nd and day 22 of my blanket, which as a reminder is a temperature blanket I'm making this year wherein I crochet one row a day um, in a color depending on the number of times I that day and then depending on the texture of my shit i crochet in a different stitch as you can see i've been having predominantly one and two dump days um three instances of three dump days and then two instances of zero shit days what's going on there um i've also got the lemon peel stitch here for slightly loose shits and the oh. elizabeth stitch here for nervous shits. i pooped 32 times this year are you okay with this woman's knitted poop blanket, Hammer? No. <laughs> like, okay, why must you do this on TikTok, I guess? That's the question. I mean, she can do whatever she wants. If you want to make a temperature bl blanket, great. You want to make a poop blanket, be my guest. <laughs> but who's following the progress of this woman? Who wakes up in the morning, stretches, grabs a bagel and says, oh, you know what? I got to check on the poop blanket. I wonder what this woman had to eat yesterday and if that's going to affect the quilt that she's working on right now. Like, I guess I have more of a 
problem with the people following the progress of said poop blanket than the woman making it herself. Somebody's going to buy that. Somebody's going to pay money for the poop blanket. Oh, yeah. Somebody will. You're absolutely right. That's what makes this the greatest country on the face of this planet. (laughs) There are families living paycheck to paycheck, doing everything right. They go to church on Sunday, they're working two jobs, and they struggle. This woman's going to sell a poop blanket and probably make six (laughs) figures. Uh, There's a new trend floating around teaching people to use their painter's tape on the bottom of shoes they just bought so they can return it the next day after wearing them. Here is uh, somebody on social media explaining how to pull off this quote-unquote hack. You want to grab a pair of shoes from your favorite store. You will need something called painter's tape. You can get this at any hardware store or online. Next thing you want to do is take the shoes and cover the entire bottom surface with the tape. After you're done, remove the painter's tape off the shoe and boom, fresh like they just came out the stove. Wrap them back in a box and baby, take them back to the stove. You okay with this? No. This seems completely dishonest. And I don't know about you, but like after I wear a pair of shoes, the first thing I think of is I've got to take these back and get my money. <laughs> like if I'm buying yeah. a pair of shoes, I've bought a pair of shoes. I'm going to wear them more than one time. I'm not trying to rip off the guy that works at the Nike store or the guy that works at the Adidas store or wherever you're getting your shoes at here. Like that's not a hack. That's being a crappy person and screwing over a business. It's really one step away from the people that just barge into retail stores and grab clothes off the rack and run out. You're one step away from that. Okay, if you're telling me it's prom shoes or something, where something you're only going to wear one time, not that I say that's any better, but at least I understand. These are like sneakers. Who buys a pair of sneakers to wear one time and then take back? And the one time you wear them, you have to go out of your way to put painter's tape on them. That's ridiculous. Gen Z. those Those are the people that are doing this. All right, finally, Hammer, country rapper Jelly Roll. <laughs> country rapper in itself is <laughs> a little odd, but yes. Uh, is he an Indiana product? Isn't he? Jelly Roll? Stop uh, in the middle of his show. Stop the show. He's in Colorado, right? To call out a fight that broke out in the crowd. Here he is scolding them from the stage, Jelly Roll. I don't know when to come this out, but whatever happened right there was completely unnecessary, y'all. Well, I appreciate you with the beard intervening in that, by the way. We don't fight at no Jelly Roll show. This is a family affair, man. I'll jump off here and snap on one of y'all if y'all disrespect this show. Are you okay with that? Yeah. 100%. Take control of that crowd, man. They came to see you, not a couple rednecks fighting in the front row. <laughs> I'm absolutely fine with this. And when Jelly Roll says, I'm going to go out in the crowd and slap you around if you don't behave yourselves, I believe him. He's a big dude, and he looks like the type of guy that would run into the crowd and do something like that. Which brings us yes. to great moments in Stopping the concert to stop a fight history. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Here's Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam. Uh, they uh, had a little incident where they had to stop the show because a woman was hitting a dude.
Chili roll, by the way, the product of Nashville, not Indiana. My bad. Great moments and stopping the concert to stop a fight history. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Grohl. Oh, the all time best. Get the f- out of my show right now. Get the, f- out, of Get the f- out of my show. You don't come to my show and fight. You come to my show and f- dance, you ass. <laughs> That's got to be the best right there. That is the best. Hey, my name is... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Nigel, Jason Hammer is here. We'll go straight to the WIBC hotline and bring on Breitbart immigration reporter John Bender. John, welcome back to the Hammer and Nigel Show. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I couldn't think of a better day to have you on. Um, like, we'll go to New York. We'll go to the southern border. We'll go to, you know, Democrat mayors whining and bemoaning the um, their sanctuary cities and all the illegal immigration. But I, I want to start in Evansville, like in southern Indiana here, man. A big story this week was how 70,000 fentanyl pills were confiscated at an Evansville hotel earlier this week. And then law enforcement mm. agencies are investigating into a drug cartel based out of Mexicali, Mexico. Mexico that was operating in southern Indiana and western Kentucky. And I saw that, John. I'm thinking, man, am I either naive or just I didn't know that drug cartels are operating in the Midwest? How prevalent are the cartels? How far have they made it into the United States? Or are they everywhere? Oh, the Mexican drug cartels are in all 50 states. Physically. Um, Yes. I mean, um, much of the drug trade, if not all of the drug trade in the United States, is now wholly owned and operated by the Mexican drug cartels. And even when you go down to the U.S.-Mexico border, I mean, folks are absolutely shocked to find out that the cartels operate all of the U.S.-Mexico border, not just the Mexican side of the border. Um, The border is completely operated by the Mexican drug cartels. There is no one that crosses um, daily that is not trafficked or smuggled by cartel members. I mean, you know, we hear the stories from the Biden administration about, you know, like four-year-olds walking across the border Mm. by themselves, Mm. being found and saved. Um, they are, are not walking across the border by themselves. You know, um, it's not if only that were the case, they would be much safer that way, in fact. Um, but they're trafficked and smuggled by adult, you know, male Mexican drug cartel members. Um, and that is kind of the root of the problem is that this international criminal organization um, is, you know, wreaking havoc on so many American communities. And as you mentioned, I mean, in the Midwest, who could have ever imagined this, you know, 50, 60 years ago? And yet here it is. Talk about the amount, just with this specific story uh, in southern Indiana, 70,000 fentanyl pills confiscated. That's really just a drop in the bucket, isn't it, John? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, these numbers are, you know, I mean, they're tracked pretty well by most of the major cities. And there was this incredible story just a couple of months ago um, that talked about the massive influx of drug trafficking and fentanyl overdose poisonings um, in San Francisco. So much 
so that um, and, you know, I mean, Honduran illegal aliens are specifically responsible for much of that because they do so much of the drug dealing. And the story was about basically how uh, Hondurans back in Honduras um, are getting rich off of selling fentanyl pills to Americans. In this case, it was San Francisco, but this is happening all over. I mean, you literally have folks back in their native countries buying, you know, buying up huge properties of real estate, um, and it's it's complete drug money. Um, and and it's you know, I mean, the the horrific stories that you've heard, you know, over the last few months alone from mothers going testifying before Congress and asking, you know, for some action to be done. And of course, barely anything has happened. You tend to believe that if this were happening in, say, Ukraine, um, we probably would have sent military troops over to Ukraine by now to help fix up their drug problem. But it's happening in the United States. So yet there's not really any any uh, solution to it. I keep on hearing that that some of this fentanyl is coming from China. How is what is China's role in fentanyl coming across the southern border? How does it get down there and and how prevalent or how uh, active is China's role in the drug trade and in the cartels? Yeah, China's role is very active because much of the um, chemicals and kind of, I guess what you would call sort of raw materials of making drugs um, come from China. That's produced in China primarily, and it's sent to Mexico and manufactured in Mexico, and then from there trafficked into the United States. Um, Is that in every case? No, it's not in every case, but China plays a major role in supplying the drug trade in the United States via Mexico through the Mexican drug cartels. Um, And that's how it gets to, you know, communities in the Midwest and all over the country and all 50 states. Breitbart immigration reporter John Bender here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Yesterday, we played the audio of New York City Mayor Eric Adams basically saying illegal immigrants are are ruining his city. I, I couldn't imagine a Democrat saying that uh, even two years ago. And trust me, if, if that mayor had an R next to his name, there would be a different response from mainstream media. I heard Joy Behar from The View play the clip and then she said oh i think he's being a bit dramatic don't you maybe (laughs) just maybe overall talk about the response uh, what you heard from mayor adams and and like it's like it's a huge problem and I, i like i agree with him but he's kind of he's kind of you know getting what he wished for in a way isn't it Absolutely. Um, I think that much of what's happening with New York City and also Chicago and now, you know, migrants, um, migrant buses being sent to California, um, you know, much of this is sort of reminds me of the Martha's Vineyard situation or migrants vineyard situation where you had DeSantis send, you know, the plane loads of, of illegal aliens to Martha's Vineyard and all of the sudden, you know, um, 80 six percent of the island voted for joe biden and all of a sudden the policies that people that these folks voted for they are now 
having to live with the consequences of. And so much of the problem with blue cities is that because there's this drastic wealth disparity, um, you have the super rich and people that are barely getting by, um, and the super rich are able to protect themselves from the things that they for- that they foist on other Americans. Yes. And now it's kind of showing up at the doorsteps of New York City. And I mean, as you said, Eric Adams is absolutely correct. I mean, Behar saying that, you know, he's being overdramatic. Absolutely not the case. I mean, anyone that's been to New York City over the last six months will tell you that there are migrants all over Midtown Manhattan. They have no idea where to put them. There is such limited space on the island of Manhattan, on the island of Staten Island, uh, in Long Island, in Queens, in Brooklyn. Um, everything is so overly dense, densely populated to begin with. Um, so it's it's a huge number to absorb. But when you think about the size of New York City, the fact that 9 million New Yorkers live in New York City yeah. and 110,000 illegal aliens have showed up over the last year. If a city that has the public infrastructure, the social services networks, um, you know, the police force, all of that, to deal with a population of 9 million residents every day, and they can't deal with an additional 110,000. If that is crippling to New York City, imagine oh, man. what an, in, an inflow like that does to a small community or even a medium-sized community in middle America that gets no attention on a day-to-day or, basis. Or, or John, a, bo- a border town in Texas, for that matter. Absolutely. 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 And who I mean, is- you have many sure you have many border towns in Texas that are have maybe a couple thousand people and yet they are traversed daily <laughs> by thousands of illegal aliens and little to no attention is paid to them whatsoever here's the thing I've noticed we're speaking with Breitbart immigration reporter John bind uh, John Bender in in New- uh, Eric Adams like was up there and also seen like I agreed with some of the stuff he was saying but who like what's the solution like he doesn't talk about Joe Biden is anybody blaming Joe Biden for this or is he just up there kind of whining that's the key like what Eric Adams needs to say is look you all voted for Joe Biden this is a direct result of his policies of open borders we probably better get something somebody new in office but I'm not hearing that from anybody really are you Mm -hmm. Um, not from Democrats I mean that is you're absolutely correct about that and you have to put into context Adams' statements from yesterday but also what he said in the last month, which is bringing people to New York City isn't the problem. It's not that we don't want these people arriving. It's just that we have to give them work permits so that when they do arrive, they can immediately start taking jobs. So the program that has been you know, lobbied by uh, Eric Adams and also New York Governor Kathy Hochul to the Biden administration has been to don't stop the flow at the border. Mm-hmm. Just when you release people at the border, release them with a work permit so that they're arriving to the United States and they can immediately start taking jobs. And of course, 
this is a huge money grab um, by, you know, giant corporations and big donors for the Democrats, as well as many Republicans, to inflate the labor market. I mean, we kind of know this routine by now. Uh, The end game is to keep wages very low by hugely increasing the supply of workers. Um, And so you're not hearing, you know, stop the flow, stop the flow. It's you don't have to stop the flow. You just have to release people wow. and give them work permits immediately. One more thing, and I want to play this audio here for you real quick. You wrote an article on some pushback. The New Yorkers that were protesting migrant camps chanting pasty white liberals at open border activists. Let, let me play this for you here real quick. Pasty white liberals! Pasty white liberals! Pasty white liberals! Pasty white liberals. This was these were New Yorkers protesting migrant camps at you know at open border activists. There is pushback. If, if we got about maybe uh, you know forty five seconds left here, but there has been some pushback from uh, citizens on the ground, hasn't there? Oh, absolutely. And anyone listening, if they're trying to figure out what can I do, you know, how can I be involved in, you know, the fight against open borders and illegal immigration, look no further than what the residents, the patriots on Staten Island have been doing. I mean, quite literally turning migrant buses around to protect their neighborhoods, their communities, where their ta- where their tax dollars go. Um, and that's all they're asking for. You know, put us first. John Bender, uh, Breitbart Immigration Reporter. You are the best. Welcome back anytime and have a great weekend. Thanks so much. You too. Right now. Hammer and Nigel present. Uh, beer sample. Fry. I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people. Come down. Get you some. some. Brought to you by Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus. I believe the uh, Brewers Guild of Indiana dropped this beer off for us, Hammer. All right. Um, local out of Fort Wayne uh, Brewery. Check this out. This. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the great cans of all time. It, it Let me really just is. say that right now. Uh, bowl cut. <laughs> and on the cover, it's a uh, picture of a guy getting a bowl haircut. <laughs> He's got a bowl on his head, like we all did back in the 80s. <laughs> My buddy Donnie Nave actually still gets bowl cuts to this day. Does he really? Uh, yeah, he's, he hasn't stopped it. He can't quit the bowl cut. Kind of looks like Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber a little bit there. <laughs> Here we go. So this is bowl cut, uh, an American amber ale. Mm. Cheers to the weekend, everybody. Go Colts. Screw the Jags, man. Screw them. Well, that's good. Thanks to a dot and line brewing. Man, I needed this. This has been one of those weeks, man. I know it's been a short week, but it just felt like it was like seven damn days long.